0: Welcome to the Inside Events Podcast, brought to you by Swapcard. There's no better time to have exclusive conversations with the industry professionals who are reshaping the events industry. We're bringing you inside knowledge from industry leaders. Let's get started with your host, Megan Powers.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inside Events Podcast by Swapcard. I am your host, Megan Powers, with Powers of Marketing and my company provides marketing strategy, execution, and training to organizations that want to improve their brand, grow their visibility, leads, and sales. If you don't follow us on Twitter already, please be sure to follow us at The Event Profs. We'd love to hear your feedback on the episodes, and any suggestions or questions you have, you can hit us up there. Uh, Swapcard is putting on an event, an, experience, an online experience next week. Um, it's called Evolve. It's the virtual event for planners. Um, and we'll include the link to the show notes. This, I believe, is going to be published a day or two before it starts. So if you're listening to this, you are watching the video, you'll have a chance to register still. Um, it's going to be an immersive and digital event experience. You can watch and participate to industry roundtables, exchange and network with peers from all over the world. Discovering a new digital and modern event experience from home. Um, they're really, they're, you'll be able to chat face to face with with other people. There will be fun games, AI-powered matchmaking, targeted meetings, in addition to all of the the content. And it is supported by Mash Media. I'm going to be moderating a session, um, and it is called "The Role of Marketing and Communication in Pivoting to Virtual." I'll be moderating along with guests, Kimberly Hardcastle, she's the Chief Marketing Strategist with MDG, and um, Jan Alessi, he's the Director of the World Football Summit. But let's get to my lovely guests, Michelle Bruno and Adalia Elgazar. How are you, ladies? Hello,
2: hello.
0: How are you, Megan?
1: Pretty good. I think that that has has to be the longest intro. I try to keep my intros short, right? Because... I know when I listen to a podcast, I'm like, just get to it. Just tell me, you know, what are we, what are we going to talk about today? A lot of good
2: stuff that you shared though.
1: Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, important. Um, I think right now, um, and we're going to get into all this, there's, there's a lot of saturation with online events, but I think as we move forward in this time, um, if people can get more creative and strategic with their online experiences and I think, um, the fact that we've moved to online won't be such a shock and won't be such a um, like a tragic thing. Obviously, we want to get face to face again, hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. But in the meantime, you know, without knowing, um, and I'm going to ask you um, not to be oracles. Um, but at the end, I'm going to go want to get your take on um, when that exactly is going to happen. But let me. I want to read your your bios first. Michelle Bruno is president of Bruno Group Signature Services and publisher of Event Tech Brief. She's a technical marketing writer, technology journalist, publisher, content marketer. As a former supplier and conference planner, trade show manager, Michelle sees the technology and evolution of the live event industry through a unique lens. She chronicles change through articles and event industry publications, event technology, company blogs, and at eventtechbrief.com. At her firm, Bruno Group Signature Services, she helps create content and strategies for companies interested in attracting more customers through digital marketing channels. Michelle, I use that term through a unique lens, actually, in my own bio. So I read yours and I was like, hot diggity, I know I liked her.
0: Oh, I probably Um, borrowed it from someone else, too. (laughs) The way creativity
1: works. (laughs) Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. All right, Um, Dahlia is the founder of Dahlia Plus Agency. Dahlia has an OMG attitude about all things tech and audience engagement solutions. With more than a decade of experience in the meetings and events sector working on both the professional planning side and as an association collaborator, Dahlia is known as the coffee-fueled go-to source for trend-setting solutions, tech news, and social media expertise. Her mission is to untether the busy professional from their desktop and office and enable them to be more efficient and productive working from a beach in Mexico, umbrella drink in hand, we'll get back there eventually, right? Through their mobile device, utilizing smart solutions and apps. Okay, so what's the best way for our listeners and viewers to get in touch with each of you? Dahlia, why don't you start first?
2: Um, You can catch me on any social media platform, Dahlia Elgazar, especially on LinkedIn, um, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, if you'd like, um, or dahlia at
1: dahliaplus.com.
0: Awesome. And Michelle? I'll make it easy. Michelle at brunogroup.com or uh, my website is brunogroupss.com.
1: Awesome. And of course, I'll have links to all your socials and all that, all your websites and all that good stuff um, in the show notes. Okay, so I want to kick off with, um, you know, as the earth has really shifted beneath all of us, um, there's been a renewed use of technology in the meetings and event space, but of course, this is not new to either of you, Um, both women who work, um, have been working in event tech for quite a while. What do you think is the top lesson that you believe event organizers have learned so far? Why don't you start with you, Michelle?
0: I don't think they've learned one. Oh. Um, I hear from many this mantra over and over, nothing will create the live experience. Uh, you know, it it's almost like giving up a little bit on what else they could have and the other opportunities that are out there. So I think that if anything, um they learned that the disruption that they always feared and never knew where it would come from has now arrived. And I think that they're gonna need some more convincing to make sure that they're able to transition into what's next. But I don't know that they've learned a whole lot because I think they're still in the grieving process.
1: That is a fair statement. Um all right, that is a that's a great answer. Dahlia, what do you think? I I'm um, I'm um... Two hundred percent with what Michelle is saying,
2: I also think that um, event planners uh, organizers they um, they they truly think at the moment um, and that they can replicate or duplicate the conference that they lost or canceled or mm-hmm. postponed um, replicate it in a virtual world and I think. It's, um, it's it's a little bit myopic in a way um, because it, it truly is not the case and it doesn't lend itself to the word experience, to be honest. But slowly and surely, they are finding out that they can be super creative if they want to be with their virtual or hybrid events. Um, the other Lesson that and it's not a lesson, but th- the reality is virtual has always been with us um, It's always been on their to-do list But it's never been achieved by some or many because it is a different skill set. It's a different way of planning um, So the focus has always been and it should be in their annual meetings in their face-to-face meetings and so the 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 lesson here is it's not a nice to have it truly has to be part of your event portfolio going forward no matter what because we're dealing with a global pause and a and a, and a huge human fear factor that um i i it will take a long time for that to subside this is not like 9 11 um, and so you you have to be super creative, super collaborative, in order to uh, maintain that creativity and those experiences that your organization is known for. Um, and I think the planners are going to have to figure that out real
1: quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, like you know, talked about, strategy strategy around the shift is going to be crucial. Um, for success um, as events have and you know, continue to move online. We know several organizations have, have you know, quickly shifted and were able to, to pull it off. But now as we move forward, there's some hope, I think, that events will be able to happen in September. And I don't know. So we'll see and we'll, we'll talk about that more. But what do you think, what's the number one strategy that event planners or organizers should have in, in making this shift? To like all you everything you just described, Dahlia, like knowing that, okay, this is our reality now. you want to start first, Dahlia?
2: Okay, so i uh, I honestly don't believe there will be events happening this year, okay um, not at the at the, at the I don't want to say magnitude, but not as big of the events that people think will happen. And I, I I throw it back into, um, it's not you as an organizer, it's them. right? So the them are all your partners that you need to put on a successful show, whether it's your venues, whether it's your caterers, whether it's your city, or whether it's your uh, even event technology partners, your AV, to put on a show, they need to come on full board. And I don't mean to be Debbie Downer no, I am no. not an oracle. Well, they call me the Dalai Lama, but <laughs> in this case, I truly, truly no, think that, um, you know, put put your efforts into creating something that is an experience that will be in touch and will, uh, you know, continue to foster those relationships of the members, non-members, partners, etc. So that when you do come to face-to-face or you do a blended event, they will be still there for you, listening to you. Right. So um, I, I, until there's a vaccine, you know, you, you think of all the p- bits and pieces of going to an event, airports, you know, transportation, masks if needed, the hotel, all of that it's creating it's actually creating anxiety for me just like figuring talking out talking about it I'm yeah safe and you know mm-hmm. and and are you going to be potentially putting yourself at risk others at risk
1: you know it, all of that um, right. so that yeah all right all right so Michelle what do you think is what's a, what's the number one strategy mm-hmm. that that planner should have so when i'm talking
0: to planners um, a lot of times, you know, when I'm asking them, "Well, what are you doing? What are you thinking about? You know, how are you uh, managing the new world?" I'm not going to say the new normal. <laughs> I <laughs> love. Normal thank you. <laughs> and
1: and there there are, thank there, you for not using
0: the p word either. Yeah, so keep using yeah, shift. Yeah. Yes, there, there's sort of two strategies, right? One is to take your virtual experience and use it and and with it, emulate what you had in the live experience. Something that Dalia just touched on. The other strategy is to create something that is in and of itself entirely different that will live alongside the live event strategy so that you can now have two channels uh, in which to communicate, in which to, you know, whatever, reach the objectives that you want, instead of one. I favor the second because that, the sort of second, you know, doing something totally different opens up way more opportunities for these organizers that I think that they haven't re- really even begun to ingest. Uh, there's so many less limitations in the digital world than there are in the physical world. Um, so so strategically, you you're either going one way where it's like, I just want to take a trade show and I want to throw it online. And we know we've had a couple of rounds of that. It never worked because people just didn't like it. They kept thinking, but I want to be in the real thing and I'm not. So wham, wham, me. Right. Um, The second thing is just like we we can start exploring, you know, new add-ons and and we'll talk about creativity, but um, you've got to just from the get-go decide, are you gonna just try and like reinvent the wheel with different materials, or are you going to you know, completely go in another direction and do something absolutely fabulous? If you do the latter, it's, it's a brand new frontier. And I think the opportunities are endless, mm-hmm. unlimited.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I, for me, the big thing that, um, that I keep coming back to is there's a huge opportunity here to build community in a different way than than we have. The fact that you're in person and able to, you know, hug your friends, you know, the people that work work in this industry with you, you know, that you've known for years, it's lovely. But you're potentially not meeting as many people as you could. So there's an opportunity here. And I think we're already kind of seeing it. Like on the expo chat this morning, there there are a lot more people on expo chat than were in the past. And I'm getting to know people through this expo chat um, that I never had seen before and, and, you know, getting their viewpoints. And so there's things that we can do socially to, to, um, build a stronger community. Um, so that then when we do come together, cause this has always been my thing, right? Like the online is never, I, I, I did my master's thesis on face-to-face versus online communication within the context of trade shows. Mm-hmm. So very specific. Um, and, um, But, and the solution was that the online is a complement to the offline. Um, And so now here we are with this great opportunity, although it's not one that we asked for, right? But there is that opportunity to to build community. Um, And I think that if you do it right, it's going to be amazing. Okay, so now I want to move a little bit to creativity, and Michelle touched on it a little bit. So everyone's so focused on the technology, right? And especially when you see, like, Delia, your that um, webinar that you did last week, everyone wanted to know what platform did you use? What did you, you know, like the whole? Um, so that's the how, right? That's the how we're moving online. That's the how we're going to hold hybrid events. But how can event organizers get more creative in the production? Of online events, um, you know, versus just the throwing up the videos and just having it be a one-way broadcast. Dolly, what do you think?
2: So, so the um, just going back to the technology platform, um, and kudos to all the tech companies that all of a sudden, you know, there's this influx of platforms out there. Um, what I advise organizers to do is don't try to design an experience based on a box, based inside of a platform. You have to think a little bit bigger creatively because that's what's gonna set you apart. That's what's gonna set you apart in the sense of not only the experience, but also the event brand loyalty virtually or blended, as well as you truly need to think of the production of it, same as you would when it was a face-to-face, how you are producing this experience How are you managing it? And then when you think of the creativity, that's when, like Michelle was saying, sky's the limit. So you think of the content, you think of the different formats. Don't have talking heads. um, And um, think of the engagement strategy. There has to be a huge, huge engagement strategy. There has to be also an educational part to what type of content different stakeholders should be creating. Meaning instead of having infomercial videos or sell sheets, for example, from exhibitors or your sponsors, have them do something that is more educational, more of the ask of my business is in trouble. Everybody's business is in trouble. My brand is in trouble. Help me help you. And imagine that type of information exchange, that's gold right there. And then you can create the packaging the registration fee you get what's on the program you you upsell the package you get more content or you get more one-on-one time or like for example if it's an industry event have people pay more so that they have one-on-ones with megan and with bruno and with dahlia for example so the creativity is going to have to be about How are you bringing people together? The matchmaking—is it gonna make sense? Is it worth its time? Because right now, time is gold. I don't want to be away from my puppy. I don't want to be away from my kids. The puppy comes before the kids, by the way. I noticed that. that, (laughs) Right. And I don't want to be in front of a of a of a, a laptop from eight to five. There is no compelling reason that you're gonna put me for 2.5 days because you had it planned in a face-to-face in front of a laptop. So you better be creative, it better be amazing. And then I will give you more than money. I will give you all the social media hype you want. I will bring in Bruno and Powers with me to this. I'm gonna drag them and say, you gotta come to this with me. That's what you want. That's what you need to get to. I love it. Michelle, what do you
1: think?
0: First of all, if if Dahlia didn't make it abundantly clear, if there's anyone out there that's never done a virtual experience before and they're just now going, huh, how can I make this creative or what's the technology that I need or whatever, you're already so far behind in your progress that, you know, The recommendation, first of all, is please, for the love of insert your deity here, (laughs) go to a creative agency with experience in creating virtual experiences and, and let them hold your hand through the whole process and think about all the things that you can't possibly think of because you have no experience in this. And all of this, while there might be some crossover in terms of project management or things like that with live experiences, this this really isn't the same thing. There's there's a lot more things, and I am far from an expert, but in the background, when I've been involved in some of these things, even just like complex Zoom calls, that there's a lot of moving parts, and it's really just dumb to try and do it on your own. So that's the other thing. In terms of creativity, the first thing that I think about is, making a big fat list of everything that I can do online that I can't do in person. And one of those things that I've done uh, is virtual reality experiences that to me were so compelling. They were, they were seated me in a room with another person. We could converse. We could have this intimate experience one-on-one inside of a virtual meeting room that, that I've never had. In, in decades of being at a live event, there's no distraction. You're you're totally, you know, there with the other person. And, and your mind is actually tricked into thinking you're actually there. So get over, you know, this being the new replacement and start thinking about how creative you can be in a brand new channel. And VR, I think, is one of those things that you can do besides the matchmaking and the all of the other digital things. So those are 11. my thoughts.
1: Nice. Yeah. So I have, there's a company called Atomic and they're based in Newcastle, England. And they uh, have a one day conference called Atomicon that they provide. Actually, theirs is a a reverse. You don't, you don't, you're not like a member and then you pay for the conference. You are, you pay for a membership and you in Atomic and then you get the conference as part of your membership. So Mm. they made like the quickest most amazing shift to online. So how, and normally how they do it, they do the day before they call it a fringe events or fringe content where it's like bonus material. And then it's a one day thing. So what they decided to do was make an entire month be, so April was atomic month and they had fringe content throughout the whole month, which was live um, Facebook live, presentations by people who are in the social media space, um, and whatnot professionals in business. And, um, so then people could interact with them and then the day of, well, and they did just all this other stuff. They created a pop-up Facebook group where they had someone who was in charge of helping to connect people, you know, who, what kind of person do you want to meet? So it was actually a person who was, who was doing all that work and they had someone they had actually several people, a team of people creating FOMO, you know, throughout the month, showing interviews with people. Um, and, uh, and then the day of the keynotes, the sessions themselves were pre-recorded, but the person who was giving the presentation was in the chat. So, You were like hearing them talk, but then you could ask the person who was talking on the video questions and they were answering in real time. It was really, really cool. I stayed up late so I could see Mari Smith and different people who I wanted, you know, like the first session started at 2 a.m. For me <laughs> so i was like okay i'm a night owl i stayed up till 4:30, and then slept through i woke up at 8 30 with my laptop on my lap and then started watching <laughs> it again it was hilarious anyway point being like they they did a really good job like they should they should 100 write up a case study someone should write up a case study about how they did it um because not just because they did it so swiftly um but because it was so effective and they and they just um it was really a sight to see pretty, pretty amazing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So on the event, uh, or on the expo chat this morning, there was a question from the mice blog HQ, uh, would be interested in knowing what would the, what would be the ratio of signups for paid versus free events online? Um, will paid events mean more engagement, less no-shows, better target audience, etc.? cetera. Uh, and then delegates will save on travel costs, but will they be ready to pay for online? Okay, so so far, most of these events have been free, right? And like we talked about before, even Dahlia said, oh, I signed up for that, and I'll see if I can pop in, right? Because we kind of have less, uh, we have a lower investment, like less guilt if we don't show up. So I'm curious, um, what are your thoughts on how and when event organizers can and should start charging for these online experiences dolly what do you think so i am actually
2: finding that uh event organizers are charging now they are being creative in the sense of refunds so like for example if they had face to face and they sort of shifted or transitioned their conference online then there might be a refund of some kind not for the entire registration but partial and that could be because some of them have accreditation, um, you know. so people will need to consume or go to the workshops, they would need to consume the content, et cetera. The, the influx that we're seeing right now of free content is by industry. So like if you look at our events industry, there's a ton of free sessions. And when you ask me, hey, are you gonna be at that one? And I'm like, I'm gonna try to pop in, It's truly, and I'll be totally honest, is because it's the same content over and over again. If there was a differentiator or if I feel like I'm going to be getting something different from it, I would pay. I don't think uh, event organizers should be creatively uh, developing a program or content that's same old, same old. And what you put together is what you should be charging for. And you should charge more for the experience. You should charge more if you're matchmaking, if you're scheduling appointments between the right people. If you're not wasting my time, then I would definitely pay for it. Seth Godin, hands down, he can sell me air and bottles and Mm -hmm. I will buy it. And, you know, I will not even ask any questions about it. So he went and he created the Akimbo workshops. He created the Real Skills Conference, and it's and it's all Zoom related. Now, are we all zoomed out? Hell yes, we are. But I knew what I was going to get out of it. It was spelled out. It was compelling. It showed me who I'm going to meet. Boom, I'm I'm in for it. Rachel Hollis just uh, had her Rise show, which was supposed to be thousands and thousands of people um, together. You know, in 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 face to face, and she took it live, and she was very creative in packaging the registration. And every package had additional like um, content to it. Her workbooks, then you had to upsell Um, her. You know, um, uh, VIP, so you had one on one time with her or dinner with her virtually. Then she upsell she upsold you on that as well. And I paid my I paid my sixty five bucks, and I loved it. I was actually there from twelve to five, and I was dancing in my kitchen with my kids in the end of it. So, the the you have to make it compelling. The marketing has to be super different um, going forward, in my opinion. And and this is going to be a very very tricky part because our event organizers. Marketing is not a preferred hat they like to wear. Neither is technology. Right. Well, yeah, we, we know
1: this.
2: (laughs) Yes. So,
1: so they're now in in
2: waters that I think unless they're asking for help or collaboration, and I don't mean like consultants, I mean, co-create with your ambassadors, co-create, go ask every single exhibitor not your VIP exhibitors, not your apples and your Facebooks. Ask every single exhibitor, what do you want from a conference or an event? Ask them. Don't send out a survey. Just call and ask
1: them and see if they can help you create that. I love that. Yeah, there's, uh, there's something to be said for crowdsourcing. Um, yeah. You know, moving forward. That's, I think that's one of the opportunities here. Michelle, what do you think?
0: So... I'm going to sort of add on and maybe illustrate a little bit more what Dahlia is saying. First of all, the organizer has got to have already created a community that wants whatever you got, right? So for Dahlia and Seth, there are communities that, yes, I would buy stuff. That's number one. Number two is I don't necessarily think that all organizations can actually sell a ticket to their virtual experience as a standalone thing, but when you think about it, most people, a lot of people, when they attend a virtual experience will, A, ask for the speaker slides, B, ask for additional resources or ebooks or workbooks like Dahlia was talking about. So the organizers should think about creating more stuff to sell alongside that that they actually would find you know the participants would find value in and would pay for the other thing is not to look at the virtual experience as like this one-off thing but as one channel of many one is the live trade show or the live conference one is the virtual experience one is magazines one is matchmaking one whatever they can have this entire set of tools and maybe sell one uh, subscription to all of it or maybe a la carte, it, if it makes sense. I just talked to someone two weeks ago from an association who said, we are currently rethinking our association membership top to bottom and thinking about selling things a la carte instead of just saying, oh, you're a member, see you until next year when it's time to renew sort of thing. You know. So like Dahlia said, it's about creating value in different components that people will pay for, and looking at this as as one channel of many and creating value across all the channels
2: Yes, and can i just add on to that so so that is that is truly what event organizers should be doing right now they should be auditing their products their products are around content and connections Mm -hmm. their products should be a continuum from one to another This is not one offs anymore. So that's, that's one thing because in general, when you have sponsorship and you should throw away your prospectus right now, and basically, you know, for your sponsors, this is where, like what Michelle is saying, you look across your products, you don't have them compete against each other. They cannot compete against each other anymore. And when you go to a sponsor, you're not selling them a booth. You're selling them branding, you're selling them visibility, you're selling them proper connections and data points across your products.
0: Yeah, and just think think about the opportunities just with regard to sponsorship, if you slice and dice it into multiple channels. Hello, a prospective sponsor. Do you want to just be on our mobile channel or would you like to also be on our virtual experience channel or would you like to be a sponsor of our live event? Mm-hmm. That way you can get a lot of sponsors in the door that don't have the big dollars, you know, and then you automate the whole sponsorship sign up and, you know, um, execution. And I think you can make a lot more revenue there. And and that's a, that's an event
2: tech idea right there. There mm-hmm. is... I would like to see a platform that from a sponsorship or exhibit or whatever label you want to put them actually tracks the amount of revenue and the touch points from a sponsor perspective and with attendees. How much money, how many times, what data is collected? It and I'd like to see a, a platform that does that. So if any platform tech companies Uh listening to this, please contact me
1: because Uh I don't think it exists the way it should. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and it should be, I think it should either be built in to, it should be, it should be created with an open API. The, The last thing we need is like 10 different platforms we're now trying to work with right yeah so um the interactivity will be huge um with with the tools that people are already using um in terms like like with with the event app now having you know you see the swap cards and the other you know platforms this was some this was on their dead list but it got put to the top already they were adding in having a, a virtual event or an online event incorporated within the platform so now you're not using one or the other you are giving your attendees whether they are in person or online an opportunity to interact with each other um, in different ways um, so yeah so that's something that i think um, should be added on to those um, apps that people are already using um, that's a great idea i love it see we're we're making the, this is like shark tank for event tank <laughs> All right, so we kind of already talked about this and um, I think you already answered it, but I just want to talk a little bit more about hybrid. Um, this is something that was a thing 10, 11, 12 years ago and for some reason went away. Like, I don't know why, I mean, we we knew and I talked about this with, with Kiki on the last episode. We, we know that it doesn't compete. We know that just because someone buys your event online doesn't mean that they won't show up face to face, you know, next year or whatever. So um, anyway, it should have been in place already still for so many reasons. So how do you picture this moving forward as we start to meet in person again? Do you see hybrid as a standard? Um, And do you think like, I think there should be someone else on the team, like you need to have an additional person uh, who manages that piece of it. And and for that matter, who while the show is going on is in charge of making sure that questions are getting answered and people are engaging with each you know, like because you know, it's kind of like a show within the show. They they end up networking with each other on a different level than they would if they were sitting at a crescent round in a ballroom, um, sometimes those people that are online. So what do you what do you think in terms of of standard moving forward? Dolly, you want to start? Sure.
2: I, I definitely think there, there needs to be a, like a hybrid or virtual producer. Um, I think the role or the rise of event technologists is, is crucial right now. Um, and if people were toying around with the idea of have bringing in um, an event technologist that will take a look at all the different integrated solutions or not integrated solutions and the band-aided solutions mm-hmm. and this and that, yeah uh not anymore you know you need someone who can uh, who has a voice within the organization who is in touch with what's going on in the in the technology landscape who knows hybrid who knows uh call it what you want digital virtual face to face they have to know what kind of tracking it has to be in place what they can do different really track KPIs as well um, and, uh, and, and, and it's, it's gonna be needed. You cannot put it on your team to be your virtual team. It is not fair and it's not fair to give it to marketing. It's not fair to give it to IT. Um, it's just, it's, it's, not, it's not in their DNA and, um, and, and you won't move forward if you try to keep it in house to be very honest at this point. The other thing that people need to realize is when you go into virtual lands, and if you go into hybrid, you know, you're talking about um, new setups and new event design on the face-to-face, so you're capturing content different ways, and how are you going to project that virtually? How are you gonna package it to sell it, you know, 365, all that good stuff? Um, and, and, And I also think that at this point, you truly need to have a tech audit in place. Like you need to take a look at what solutions you have because some of them don't serve you anymore. You know, your standalones yeah. might not serve you anymore. And this is, this is where you, I don't mean to go ballistic on RFP mode because I do not believe in RFPs anymore, but you need to take a look at what you've got going on from a tech platform and from a skill set. Uh, internally at the moment.
0: Yeah for sure. So I just want to understand what one means when they say hybrid event. Are you saying that at the same exact time that a live event is going on there's also also a digital twin happening right at the same time? So yeah. Right? So for some organizations I think it's a really good idea especially those who have a lot of attendees to begin with, they have the sort of room to siphon off some of those to the hybrid facsimile, right? But for other organizations, it might be A, too technically difficult, B, um, they might not have enough live people coming to their live event to now risk having some come in through the other door, even though there'll be a lot more available to them to come through the hybrid door. But my third thing is that it it might be a better strategy depending what the objectives of the organization and, and any sort of manifestation of content is to have your live event and then some months later have a virtual event as a way of sort of going down this continuum of engagement and content and things like that. I sometimes question you know, the value of having a hybrid or, or a virtual element right at the same time when you might be able to get actually more value out of moving it off of its parent and later down the line. So I guess my point is, it really depends on what the organization is after. If it's community building, which it should be essentially, I don't know if a hybrid, you know, is, is going to be the answer because I don't see that it's like going to be less work to put a hybrid twin onto a live event at the same time than it is have your live event, have that just be the the one thing and let it do its thing the way it its thing does, and then do a, a you know, virtual experience later on and let that thing do what it, what its thing does. You know what I mean? And keep the love going all year round. What do you I, think? I, I kind of,
2: I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I see, I see where you're going with it. I, I like that approach. I think there are elements of your face to face or your live event that you need to capture in order to go virtual with, right? Mm -hmm. So whether you're getting, um, general session or, or, um, specific breakouts or whatever it is, I do, I'm with you that you, you should not be trying to, um, get all the information all all the content or the experience that's happening face to face and trying to push it virtually that's not necessary that's a lot of work right and i but and i do like what you're saying where you're you know you're you're you might be taking some of that content and then making it into a different event later on a virtual event versus Mm -hmm. full hybrid um i and I also think that we need to get our terminology straight. Mm -hmm. So what is a hybrid? What is a blended? What is a digital? What is live anymore? Is it really live or is it face to face or is it, and
0: and perpetual these perpetual trade shows now that are year round and their marketplaces and that whole thing. So, Like toy, toy,
2: toy association, right? You know, so toy, what's Toy Fair is all about is about the products on the show floor and basically when they went virtual um, well they had their show already in January but they went virtual with the toy marketplace Mm -hmm. where now it's actually a golden opportunity because exhibitors were limited on how many toys or products they could bring on the show floor now Mm -hmm. if they have it every week every two weeks you get to showcase more that's a huge revenue stream that's like one-on-one, like you know, that you can do matchmaking, all of that. And this is where I say, it can be propelled where it is becoming its own virtual experience. Are organizers equipped to think that creatively on their own, though? That's a question I'm asking both of you.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's that's why I think they need uh, an intermediary at this point, either an agency or a uh, digital event strategist or someone to like help them think through these really important questions because it's it's complex yeah it he well, is
1: and it's yeah. trial and error too so mm-hmm. well and someone who gets the tech but also can be creative with you can can come up with different solutions uh, uh, Facebook this is something that came up this morning also on on while well, I was on SME chat and expo chat at the same time um because they're on the same they're on the same power um but uh Facebook is re is coming back with um what they're calling live with so you can add someone in to your Facebook live and so I kind of had this light bulb go off this morning of where well that's a great opportunity to um on site work have your have a team that's creating FOMO that's part of the digital team the hybrid team the whatever you call it team um, that can like you know invite people from home to be there to be at the place Um, interview you know talking with a speaker or uh, you know performer whatever like that that there's endless opportunities really for combining the digital with the Um, the in-person to make that event, whatever you call it, more special.
0: I'm I'm all for, if you're at the live event, having opportunities for someone to be, to have access to someone who's not there digitally, you know, something like that. I just, I'm just not sold on uh, duplicating something in the air that you have on the ground and thinking that there'll be much added value to it to justify the expense. Um, you know, it's just something to consider.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I do think that um, being able to attend and I have a conference that I attend, they have what's called a virtual pass and it's not actually virtual. Like you get that, you just get the recordings later. Right. It's not like a real, it's sort of, it's, it's kind of misleading. Um, But I find, I would, I would like to be able to kind of be there while it's going on. Personally, you know, I already watched the live tweeting for me. Live tweeting when people are at an event, I'm watching that, you know, and kind of like putting myself in that place by following along with the people that are live tweeting sessions and stuff. But but you're missing something in that. There's also like,
0: there's also Simulive, which is, you know, you get the recordings, but you also get the live speaker there again during when you go back in to watch it the second time and then you, you could have an exchange with that person, that's different.
1: Yeah, oh, that I like that.
0: It's kind of a, an added, a value added virtual experience. I think opportunity, Dahlia will agree with this, the, the technology itself brings the opportunity. You look at the technology and, and see what it can do. You can immediately go, I could do that in my conference. I could take this content and it would be perfect for that. Um, there's a lot out there that you know organizers never thought of because they never had to and now they're forced to and that's why I say the doors just flung open yeah we
2: just we just did an event we just did a virtual summit where um, the organizer and and you know it was a brilliant idea where they partnered with Grubhub and they were able to get sponsored like you know uh, Rebates or cards or whatever and everybody was eating at the same time. They ordered their food together You know, and then and and then you have these fulfillment ideas Which is wonderful because like another another partner or or client of ours decided to send a a goodie box and every every day they're like you take this out first the the puppies had hoodies on with the hashtag of the show on it. That was nice. brilliant. Wow. They had, you know, and then this was their first virtual summit. So they had a little champagne bottle. Everybody popped in court. Do you not think that's a, a a brand like that's amazing. Everybody was on social media, you know, taking pictures and sharing it. That's what you want. You build your community that way as well. So like you, you this is where like song division comes in. How brilliant is song division where you're able to like get, you know, words from everybody to same with photo mosaics, anything that will, will get the tribe together. will get the stories together. will have that kumbaya type of feel to it as if you're there live, have at it, do it. Don't even think about it. Get it sponsored if you need to. Right. Bring and, in the llama talking about the llama. <laughs> I honestly think the farms, they're renting out their animals bring no, them into no. a zoom call i think it's fabulous
0: no and i i think what we're saying here is that it's not that the creativity's not there it's not that the technology's not there it's not that the ideas are not there the strategists are there the agencies are there they're all there what is lacking is the will to think outside the literal box and and once they do there's there's just so much they can do and I don't think it has to be expensive. No, it doesn't. It's not going to be cheap. Right. But uh, live events are not inexpensive either. I think if you if you put a little elbow grease into it, um, you, you can come out with something fantastic that's digital. The, the the the
2: challenge that event organizers have and always have is they need to get out of their own way. Exactly. They're in their head, and then they they are like they they get they get stuck. They need to get unstuck Mm -hmm. and they're mentally fatigued at the moment.
1: Right. So, yeah, I, well, and I see, I think a lot of what what we're hearing and seeing in the industry is that the venues, the destinations, the hotels, they're scared. I mean, they are like, um, I think, scared to the point of being unrealistic about what's about the reality. Of what's going on and and when things will actually get back um i'm not going to use the n word um, <laughs> um you know what i'm saying like i think but i also like like creative i there's a beer festival in san diego and this already done this they did that they pivoted on this oh i used the word
2: oh.
1: um <laughs> Quickly, uh, um, and uh, at a wine festival where they're had, they're still doing it online, and they're and they're shipping you the wine in advance, and they're going to do the tasting together, which is totally different from that experience where you're just walking around, meandering from table to table. Sure, I'll try that. Now you're actually everyone's engaged, and you're getting that information all together. And um, I just there there are a lot of creative things happening. So hopefully more planners and event organizers will, will, yeah, start to get out of their own way. Yeah. That would be lovely. It would. Ladies, this has been a really such a great conversation. I'm so happy that this worked out. Um, I do want to ask you one final question um, that I like. So I want to, I want to know what's like the most important piece of technology or creature comfort or something that's made your life more pleasant over the last couple months since we've been, Going through this, you have anything like that?
0: Huh? <laughs> I specifically ordered lipstick just for this podcast. It's <laughs> a color that I don't normally wear to keep my lips moist, and you know, to just sort of like—you can't see my sleeve, but ooh, yeah, it's beautiful. The like, whole matching thing post. Uh, Cinco de Mayo, I would just say like little small creature comforts like that to, to make me realize that the world and life still goes on. What we're thinking about now is really first world problems in, in some ways, not the loss of jobs, but that would be my one sort of creature comfort. And I, I mean, you cannot downplay the value of nice fuzzy slippers either yes
2: no question
1: what about you dahlia are are you asking about tech or are you asking about something that like just anything it could be tech it could be it could be fuzzy slippers it could you know whatever i
2: I can't ever find my fuzzy slippers because they get stolen but um in this household um you you know it uh it right now it's like mindless television Mm and Tiger King was like, you know, on the couch for seven hours, but it, it's a thing. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, you know, so the whole binging is is uh, is insanely good at the moment, so when I said Netflix, I meant it.
1: Yeah, no question. Yeah, I couldn't, it, we, there was a, we were, I think we were all talking at the same time when you said that, so I couldn't hear what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu, I um, I've, I've been rotating through, and I've started to not binge just one show all in a row, but like, hop between so then i have something to look forward to um see what happens next like i'm watching bones right now i want to know, then they haven't gotten together yet i don't know if anyone <laughs> listening to watch bones but I'm they're not, gonna not gonna give you we're what? in season 4 i know well i know it's funny because and it reminds me of my mom so it's sort of sentimental too but i i watched the further seasons i didn't watch the early on. so anyway good stuff well ladies thank you so much um thank i hope you. to see you more often more frequently um and yeah in person one day next year, probably. Right. (laughs) All right. So this has been episode 10. We're in a double digits of, uh, inside events and we will catch you next time.
0: Tweet at us with the hashtag inside events and be sure to subscribe to get each episode as they drop.